Welcome to episode 61 of the BTB podcast. Today we have Michael Johnson, otherwise known as the Mojo Master, who is a huge advocate on all things leadership, business, and mindset. And this episode was incredible because we get to talk to Michael all about mindset and mental performance. He is a coach for some of Australia's top rich listers, athletes, and business teams. And he's featured alongside people like Joe Dispenza, Dr. John Demartini, Dr. Dave Logan, Grant Cardone, Gary V, and so much more. What I love about Michael is he challenges the way that people think and really helps us to smash a lot of the myths and misconceptions that we are unaware of when it comes to you know being stuck, quote unquote, uh, both personally and professionally. And he also loves to bridge the gap between advanced sciences, human behavior, personal development, and mental performance. So this episode is seriously full of gold, powerful tools and methodologies that are really going to help you to succeed and just play at a whole different level. And that's what I think is great about conversations like this, where you get to talk about different modalities and the way that we think and the way that we act and behave and identities and things like that and how that affects us in our life and businesses. And the gold that Michael shares with us is seriously what you would pay a very high-end coach to hear. So buckle in. This is one of my favorite episodes and I know that you guys are going to love it too. All right, let's get started. What if we could show you how to create an additional income stream that feels inspiring to you and leverages not only of your passions, but your zone of genius? Head over to babesinbusiness.net forward slash side hustle to download our free side hustle guide, a 40 page guide where we help you not only come up with your business idea, but help you set your rate, find your potential customers, help make your first few sales, come up with your point of difference and ensure you have a profitable business that you can scale to create a life and career by design. Babes Talking Business, our podcast, is the sister brand to Babes in Business. It's our passion project geared towards female entrepreneurs, professional women, side hustlers, those with a day job and those full-time mamas striving to build their empire on the side, whether it's a traditional or non-traditional business, investments, startup, companies, or online social media influencers. Our podcast is a safe place where women can be vulnerable, honest, and tune in to be educated and supported to learn about the ins and outs of business, the highs and lows, and feel comfortable to talk about finances and multiple streams of income, along with the lingo that often comes with it that intimidates and prevents a lot of us women from approaching these subjects altogether. We not only mentor and encourage fellow entrepreneurs tuning in to build their own successful businesses, but teach them how to build confidence in themselves, reconnect with their why, let go of jealousy, and ultimately learn the power in connection because at the end of the day, that is what life and business is all about. This is a no BS podcast where we are committed to showing you what really happens behind the scenes of businesses' pretty highlight reels. So you can be reassured you are not the only one in the trenches and we can hopefully empower you with ideas on how to run your life and business in a way that feels energizing, inspiring and authentic to you and your mission. 
We are your hosts. I'm Shani Thompson, and one of my biggest passions and missions in life is to revolutionize the way that women create abundance, to show you you can really have it all and create your next level, wildest dreams whilst being in a total state of ease and flow. I'm a blogger, a coach, and mentor to thousands of women around the world, a professional network marketer, a course creator, and above all, I'm just your everyday girl next door. And I am Lauren Kerr. I'm a published author, life and mindset coach, and professional network marketer. When I was studying my psychology degree, I stumbled across the term life above zero, which became my personal and professional mission to inspire others to create a life that they love instead of just settling for mediocrity and just doing what society expects you to do. I love helping women find clarity and fulfillment in their lives, relationships, and careers. So... On that note, let's talk business. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> so excited to have you on the show today, Michael. I know a lot of you know you as the Mojo Master. I actually didn't know your first name until today. I was like, I just know you as Mojo Master. <laughs> but um, obviously, you're a mindset and a human performance coach as well. So excited to have you on the show and kind of speaking into. I guess things that can help business owners in where they are at the moment, maybe why they're stuck, why they quit, any advice we can give to them on that journey. But um, maybe first we can start with your own journey. How did you become a mindset and performance, a human performance coach? I don't know whether I became one or whether I was always sort of into it. Now that I've like I've spent a long time over the last couple of years reflecting back on my own life journey, and uh, I get asked this question a lot. I've always been really inquisitive into what makes people successful. My mum had me at 17 years of age in a Catholic family and my dad was 19 at the time and a bogan atheist. My dad thinks that like the coolest haircut ever was a mullet and, you know, mum's brothers and sisters all went to university and mum dropped out of school to have me. And, you know, growing up, it was really interesting being around, I guess, other teenagers, you know, people in their early 20s. So I used to go to a lot of parties with mum and dad. You know, they never stopped living their life because they had kids. So I used to get to see human behavior from adults, especially under intoxication, I guess you could say, and seeing like what made them perform or what made certain people attractive to others and and so on. I was always really inquisitive about it. You know, I found it really interesting that my mum would say to me, you know, you've got to do really well at school so you, you can go to university and get a good job. Yet what I found was that sometimes people would rock up to parties that have really nice cars and then the you know, certain people at the party would badmouth them behind their back or when they would rock up, they'd go and hide and pretend that they weren't there. And then there were other people as well who would rock up in these old cars with pretty shitty clothing and things like that. And people would just naturally congregate around them. And going to school was quite challenging because every weekend I was always at parties or up in the Riverland. I I was lucky enough to ride motorbikes and wakeboard and water ski from a really young age, but I never really got to play school sports with other kids until like later on in school. So I was sort of a bit of an outcast and I always wanted to try to fit in. Also as well, I had red hair, got told I had learning difficulties. I was put into special classes. I was a bit chubby as well. And I just felt like I couldn't fit in. And as school went on, I just felt like I would never get anywhere in life because I just didn't fit that school model. And at 15, I got expelled from school and was going to commit suicide because I just hated myself. And I thought, you know, in all honesty, I thought I was a piece of shit. And it was this one night that I just remember when I was about to end my life, I just thought, you know what, I've been trying to make everyone else happy. I can't make anyone else happy. All I can do is make me happy. So I ended up going back to school there. And that was a huge moment for me to realize that 
I was the most important person in my life and that I had to do this for me. As I went back to school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wasn't going to go to university. I didn't fit that model. So I love figuring out how things work and I thought it was cars and mechanics because I always like being around cars. So I decided to become a diesel mechanic. And when I went and worked in that industry, I just found that a lot of people were going away making a lot of money, yet they would come home and they would bitch and moan and they were miserable and they would go out and they'd buy brand new cars and six months later, they're buying a brand new motorbike. Then they've got two jet skis and they'd buy a boat, but they couldn't use the boat because in winter, the majority of winter in Adelaide is freezing cold. So it's too cold to go water skiing. And in summer, they work FIFO. And so they're only really home for one weekend a month. And so they might have three or four weekends of the whole entire year they could use the boat. And it just seemed that there was this pattern of misery that surrounded money as well and maybe question everything. And at around 21, I got a phone call from my best friend at the time, his family telling me that they'd been involved in a car accident. And he was actually the reason why I didn't commit suicide that night. I just thought of him and the, you know, the pain that he would have. And I got to the hospital and he informed me that he was in a passenger seat and his sister was driving the car and his sister's three-year-old was in the back seat. And we used to look after the three-year-old, myself and uh, my best friend. We used to look after her and he, they informed me that she was killed in that car accident. And I just remember thinking, how can life just be taken away just like that? You know, we're here one day and we're gone the next. And it made me really question everything that I was doing in life. Like, what's the purpose of me being here? Why am I here? What are my gifts? How do I want to be remembered when I'm not here? And it was really the first time that I'd ever thought about that stuff. I think a lot of people think it, but I just never really had thought about it. And at the time, I realized that I, I loved helping people and I loved the gym and I loved exercising. That was the only place that ever made me feel good about myself. I ended up amongst all my fears, go, I went back to school to become a personal trainer. But it was quite hard because I just remember school as being put in as special classes, feeling like I was dumb, like I wasn't going to get anywhere. And so I knew that there was part of me that wanted to go and do this thing. But at the same time, there was all this fear and worry and concern and all the what ifs, what if I don't, what if I fail again? But I ended up going and doing it, found the thing that I loved. And then I just realized I love helping people. And over that journey, I just kept studying. I studied nutrition. I studied kinesiology because I wanted to help more people. And eventually I was working in a medical center for four years doing a lot of physical rehabilitation. And I found that most people know what to do in life. They just weren't doing it. And that's where I really started to become super inquisitive around human behavior and psychology and the mindset. It really started to spring on my radar. Whereas before that, I'd always observed human behavior, but never really realized that it was like the thing that I loved and that that was something that I'd had with me for a young age. So I know it's a long response to your question, but it was sort of like a natural progression of just asking better questions and consistently exploring and, and also, I think, understanding myself. That's great. I think that's how most people sort of figure out what they want to do in life, right? It's an evolution. And I think as well, certain things happen to us in our lives for a reason. I think, you know, with the accident and even with the, the bullying and the, the way you felt as a child at school, it's all so necessary for the journey because you wouldn't be where you are today without all of that happening, right? Yeah, I got asked that on a podcast a while ago. They said, if you caught up with the bullies now, what would you say to them? And I said, thank you. And they almost, I, I don't know whether they were about to fall off the back of their seat or they, I don't, I don't think they knew what was happening. But I mean, it was because of those moments that I am the person I am today. And I sure as heck wouldn't have overcome all the stuff that I'd overcome if I didn't have the mental strength. And, you know, I mean, I get bullied every day on social media by people criticizing me and telling me how crap I am or that, you know, last year I got attacked by the Skeptics Association saying that I'm unqualified and I don't have a university degree. And, you know, that was, it's fine. It doesn't really bother me. And it was because of those experiences as a kid that 
you know, it's made me who I am today. I don't really care what other people think. I just want to help people to be better. And some people believe that I can do that. And other people think that I'm an absolute fraud, whatever. Shannon, I had a podcast episode on this just recently talking about like how not to care what other people think. Cause I think that that attitude that you have right now and that thick skin, it's something that a lot of new business owners struggle with, especially putting themselves out there at the start. I know that part of our last 10 years of growing ourselves and studying and growing businesses, it just comes naturally to us now. I know you said obviously something that's been massive for your passion of yours has been watching and observing people and obviously studying behavior to see what makes people successful. What have you noticed over the last, I guess, your whole life <laughs> leading into your passions that sets people apart from those who have success to those who don't? From a really young age, I noticed that there was a burning desire to want to be better and to want to do something bigger than what they're currently doing. I noticed that from a very young age, but I just didn't know how we got that because I didn't have that. In fact, growing up, I thought I was quite lazy. I, on school holidays, I used to just sit around and watch movies and sleep a lot and paint model airplanes. And that was about it. I was quite a loner. So I, I wanted to find out what it was that gave people that drive and that determination. Over the years, what I've realized is that you really need to get clear on a map for your own life. You know, if I said to someone, what are your chances of success with a financial plan? Most people would say, well, you've got a better chance of achieving financial success or financial abundance if you have a financial plan. Yet when I ask most people if they have a financial plan, they say no. So we know that we're more successful with a plan in our finances or the same thing in the gym. Are you more successful if you have a gym program or if you have some sort of a, a semi-structured eating routine? Not, I don't think being strict on it is great, but some sort of an eating routine that fits for your lifestyle. And most people would say yes. But when I ask them, how does all that fit into your life? The majority of people have no idea, none at all. And they don't really understand what they're trying to achieve in life. And I think that that's the foundation of everything. And what I found was that maybe I just turned 30 and I'd been doing a lot of personal development. I'd spent a lot of money. I think I'd spent about half a million dollars on studying personal development. A lot of the studies that I'd done, I found that I was doing a lot of personal development events and jumping up and down and high-fiving people and fist pumping air and setting these huge goals. You know, I'm going to become a millionaire and doing the whole affirmation thing and, you know, breaking all the limiting beliefs. But I would go through these huge stages where I would feel super inspired and super motivated, but then I would crash and burn. I'd be burnt out. I'd be sitting on the couch and my brain's going, you know, get up, get up off the couch. And, you know, I hope you don't mind if I swear a little bit, but it'd be these voices of like, you piece of shit, get up off the couch. And these voices were vicious and I couldn't rest because when I was resting or what I thought was rest, I was beating myself up for resting. But when I was working, I was running at about five to 10% battery life because I was burnt out all the time. And I find that most startup business owners go through this as well, where they really want to achieve more, but at the same time, they can't rest and relax, which means they never really rejuvenate. Their brains function differently. It sort of alters how our brain functions and that affects how we think. So what happened was I had a big meltdown after doing a, a couple of really large personal development events. And I just remember thinking, you know, I've got all these tools and I've learned all this stuff what's missing? And I sat down, I actually created a whole life map for myself from my values to my mission, to my purpose, to setting good, clear, congruent goals. And I, I pieced together this whole sort of system. And then from there, one of my clients at the time who was sort of working with me as a bit of a mindset coach and also on his health, he had about a $70 million property development company. And he saw a massive shift in me and he just said, look, can you teach me what you've done? Because whatever you've done has completely shifted what you've done. And I showed him and luckily enough, he became one of my first high paying clients. Well, now six years later, he's got almost a billion dollars of property developments on the go at any or at any point in time. 
he started seeing great results and then he went back to a lot of his friends and they became my clients as well. And that's sort of what built the Mojo Master. And that map I turned into one of our programs now called Thrive Time. But what I found was that unless you're really, really clear with your values and you've got to be super clear on them, like it can't be hazy. It has to be, I know that this is why I get up and do what I do every day. And this is my priority in life. So for mine, it's studying and learning and teaching human behavior. There is no doubt in my mind that about 70% of my life, if I just do that, I'm fulfilled. Now, there's other things that I do as well, but that takes up the majority of my time. Unless I prioritize that on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, everything sort of falls apart around me. And I have self-sabotage patterns, destructive behaviors. I get stressed out. I'm more emotionally volatile. And even in our business, you know, our business is, has grown quite rapidly as well. What I found was when I bring in other people in the team and they start saying to me, like other management, they say to me, you know, Michael, you've got to work more on the business and you've got to be in the business more. Every time we do that, the business growth slows. When I go back to being myself and teaching and learning and connecting with people and then teaching them how to thrive, our business goes up. Sales go through the roof when I don't even try to sell. Our finances go up because more people buy because it's when I'm massively inspired and that's what drives our company. So I found that that map there is the, the thing that tends to drive people to really excel and accelerate their results in life. It's also the thing that helps them to reduce their self-sabotage patterns. It reduces procrastination. It really creates that fulfillment and also the success. Every one of us has a unique value system, life purpose and mission, which is unique as our fingerprint or you know our eyes. So I don't know whether that answered the question, but I found that that's, some people naturally fall into it like Warren Buffett. He just knew from a young age, he loved money. And he asked for a money counter, I think on his 13th birthday. And then from there, he's just followed the thing that inspires him, which has been money. And that's why he's been successful. What I find though, is that those people are very, 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 very rare. The majority of other people get pushed off track based on what their parents want them to do, society wants them to do, the kids at school who judge them. And then after a while, instead of making your decisions, your decisions are heavily clouded by everyone else's opinions and decisions and fears and concerns. And so it's harder to make decisions and it's easy to make decisions that are off track with what we're trying to achieve, which is then we, when we become unmotivated, uninspired, unfulfilled. Then we try to do things that are immediately gratifying, whether it's overeat or overspend, or you know, we try to win lotto because we think that that's gonna solve our, our problems. So yeah, I've just found that until you get that, that map clear, most people will be off track and most people will be getting emotional feedback, sabotage patterns and so on. Yeah, you're definitely speaking our language here. I mean, I think the three of us have probably learned from the same masters in that with Dispenza and Martini. I know we've done some of the same courses and what it comes down to is building those foundations around your vision, your mission, your purpose, your values. Like we know that that's what works, but Something I was thinking about when you were talking about that was, you know, the thousands of girls that Loz and I mentor in business. And yes, we tell them, you know, to go and make sure what you know what your top five to 10 values are, live and breathe that every day. What's your mission? What's your why? Why are you here? Like what type of legacy do you want to leave behind? And I find that so many people find that really difficult. What, why do you think that is? Like why can't people... Well, why do they find it difficult to dig deep and really get clear on that? Do they have to do the personal development to figure that out? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? I guess each their own. It depends what's important in life. I mean, I was just with the South Australian cricket team or a couple of players at the South Australian cricket team before this. And there was only one of the players that I was with who'd been exposed to my work and he'd come and done some of my events and so on. And 
I was with some of the other boys and they were sort of questioning around what I do versus some of the other, you know, mindset stuff that they've been exposed to, like sports psychology and so on. And I went through and I started breaking down. What I found was that there's a very common pattern and even these guys have it. And these, they're, they're top performers. I mean, they're, they're at the pretty much, there's not many people that are better at cricket than, than those guys. I mean, you've obviously got the national teams and so on, but you know, they're, they're still at a high level. What I find is that most people aren't used to being held accountable for their own psychology. And our society has built this idea that it's not our fault. And although that feels good, and things of our past may not be our fault, but unless we take responsibility for them, nothing ever changes. And so our society has been built on this over-support model where, you know, if you're emotional, that's okay. You know, if you're not getting the results you want, that's okay. Most people, if you listen to them on a daily basis, they'll give you excuses. Now, to be honest, has anyone ever told you an excuse and you've gone, oh, that makes sense? Or do you just go, well, who cares really? Because that hasn't got the result that we want. You know, if someone's late for an appointment and they give you an excuse, you don't sit there and go, that justifies it. You just go either hurry up and carry on or you're still pissed off. So people tend to use excuses because societies convince themselves that if they make these excuses or justify things or tell these stories or whatever it is, that it somehow removes the responsibility of what's just happened. And it's okay. But the thing is that it's okay in that moment because it makes the person who's giving the excuses and the justification, it makes them feel better about their position. But at the same time, no one else gives a shit. Okay, no one's ever, give, even my staff, even if they give me an excuse, I don't care. I just want the result and the outcome. So I know that humans always want the result and the outcome and the excuses never satiate or satisfy the not getting the result. But for some weird reason, we convince ourselves that it's okay, that the stories that we consistently tell ourselves about why we're not achieving are okay. And I think that that gets reinforced a lot by an over-supportive society. Now, the more and more that that happens, the more and more it makes people weaker. Like, if you have a look at anything in nature, stress and pressure create growth and change. So there are common laws that I love to study, and I do lots of studies outside in different fields of science. But one of them is there's the law of expansion and contraction, that everything in the universe expands or contracts, and everything in nature grows or dies. Now, if we have a look at what creates expansion and growth, it's always pressure and stress. Now, they're the two most common things that most people avoid. So most people think, you know, I want an easy life. I wish that things were better. But at the same time, they're avoiding pressure and stress, which is where the change and the expansion happens. So very few people get growth and expand their life unless, they, unless they're prepared to take on those, those challenges. So I think that unless people are prepared to be honest with themselves and say, first of all, you know, I'm not where I want to be, and that's not okay. I want to change and I want to do something about it. That's the first step. The second thing is creating an accountability to hold themselves accountable to figuring out where they want to get to. Now, as a coach, I know there's a very fine line between being a coach and being a babysitter. And I tell my clients this all the time. I say, I'm not a babysitter. If you want a babysitter, go to a kindergarten. I'm a coach. My goal is to get you a result. The only thing I care about is the result. So I don't care about the excuses. I don't care about the reasons. I don't care about your past. To be honest, I don't care about any of that stuff. What I care about is where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? And let's get you there. Let's figure that out. That's what I'm there for. And sometimes I'm going to push you beyond your own capability, but that's what a coach does. Now you're going to hate me for it. You might get frustrated. You might swear a few times at me and that's fine. I'm okay with that. But I probably care about my clients and people around me more than they care about themselves, which is why I want them to be better because I know they can be better. And sometimes we all doubt that. So yeah, I think that really it comes down to creating a, a really strong accountability, but also that someone has to have a reason first to want to change. 
you know, I know that you, you girls get it as well, where you're mentoring people and some people think that you're going to do all the work for them. And that's not the way it works. I think the greatest gift that we can give any other person is their self-worth. And the way that we do that is by pushing them and encouraging them and, and knowing when to support them, but also when to give them a good ass whooping. Now, some people think that that's being a bad person, but at the same time, I've never met a great parent that doesn't know when to challenge their kids, when to punish their kids, when to hold them accountable, and then when to love them and support them and nurture them. And it's a very fine line. And I don't know that I've ever met a parent who ever gets that right all the time. And I've never met a coach who gets it right all the time. But what I know is that if a parent over supports their child, the child becomes really weak and when it gets challenged in society, it falls apart. If a child gets challenged all the time, it, it can crush the child as well. So there's a very fine line that all parents are trying to figure out and great coaches have to figure out and great leaders have to figure out. And I don't know that anyone ever gets it right, but some people are just more aware and better at adapting than others. So I don't know, again, if that answers the question, but I gave you a lot of stuff there that really needs to happen for both clients to get results and, and teams and businesses and stuff to grow. Yeah, I think it's been a big lesson in leadership and I'm a coach as well. So it's something that I've, I think I've struggled with. And I think especially being a woman as well, because I think women expect other women to be a bit more feminine. So when you have that masculine, like, hey, you said you're going to do this. And it's something that I know that Shannon and I struggle with sometimes because we, we care about our girls sometimes, I think, more than they care about their own futures. We want to call them on their ship, but it's like, they, it's like we're doing this because we care. But yeah, it's such a tricky line sometimes because sometimes you're the you're telling them what they don't want to hear and you end up being a trigger for them. So it's like, I think I'm still trying to find that strategic balance. And I guess it's part of leadership and learning the delivery as well. Yeah. The framing and all that sort of stuff. I have a whole, a whole leadership course on that. Cause I find that leaders really struggle with that. Some leaders are a bit more narcissistic in their approach where they're just straight down the line and I need you to get this done. And I expect it done. That's more of a narcissistic tendency, which isn't good or bad. Like I don't like those labels. Something that I tell a lot of our students is that labels are there to understand they're never there to define. Once you start defining someone by a label, you've boxed them and they're boxed and that does not help anybody. And society does it, psychology does it, where they box people and, and I hate it. It's there to understand someone and their approach. So some leaders are a bit more narcissistic in their approach and some people are more altruistic in their approach. But I find that too much of one or the other can create massive imbalances. Altruistic coaches that want to over-support people and tell everyone that everything's okay what they'll tend to do is they label everyone else as being narcissistic and the reason why they're not achieving is because everyone else is bad and we're nice people. Well, that's bullshit. That's because you're weak. Then you've got the other side, which is the highly narcissistic side, which is no one's up to my level and I'm the best and no one else can push as hard as what I push. So therefore you better work hard and, and keep up. Well, that's a very narcissistic approach and that also doesn't work. But there's a fine line between both of them that great leaders are always trying to figure out how do I push hard enough, but not hard enough in order to, to, you know, push them over the edge. And I think a great leader is always trying to figure out what that seesaw is in their team. They're also trying to figure out who in my team are overworking and who are underworking, who are underperforming, who are overperforming. You know, I love overperformers because I think that they're like awesome because they're getting wicked results, but they burn out. And then when they burn out, then the shit hits the fan in your team. So I've got to tell my overworkers to rest and my underworkers, I've got to keep the overworkers keeping pressure on them because if they, if the pressure's not there, then they don't step up. So it's a very fine line as a leader. It's a very fine line as a coach. And I've never really met anyone who gets it right, but I, I know a lot of people who are way on one side and that also doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the magic question, really. And like with, with the industry that Loz and I are in, I mean, we're raising up some incredible leaders in our team right now. 
who I know will really love this episode. And one of the things that I see that really holds them back from going all in and I guess really just going to that next level is actually understanding personalities. Like we kind of spoke about it then, like, you know, a narcissist versus altruistic. Like I think one of the most amazing things about the business that we're all in is that we get to help people and deal with people. But with that comes the other side of it and it's dealing with difficult personalities. Or if you're like a high D and you know, your, your personality is red and you're just like blunt straight to the point, like let's get shit done. Finding out how to communicate with someone who's like, say a white personality or a C, you know, if we're talking that type of personality trait, it's really hard for those to communicate with each other. Then I find my leaders want to give up because they're like, I just don't know how to do this. I'm not good at this. I don't know how to communicate with that person. That person's difficult. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think it's the evolution of growing a business, also learning how to serve people at the same time as communicating with them in the right way so that you're talking their language. (laughs) Yeah, hundred percent. On difficult people though, what I will say is that a lot of people want to be better communicators, but they want to take on the easy communication. You don't get better by having the easy conversations. You get better by having the difficult conversations. And I know network marketing is a lot about communication. It's about marketing a product or a service. And it's also about knowing when to sell versus, you know, when to build rapport with someone and there's steps and processes. And I think the only way you ever get good at any of those things is by being bad at them. Something that I tell any of our students who come to like any of our leadership courses or our communication courses or our culture courses and so on for business growth. Something that I always say in those courses day one is the only way you ever get better is by start shit first. And most people, they look at someone else and they might look at you girls and go, wow, you know, I, I wish I was as good as, good as both of you and you've got such a great business. And so that what they do is they think you've had it easy and I've got it hard and I'm never going to get there. But that's because there's 10 years of making mistakes and failing and, and part of my French, but fucking things up to get where you are, right? But they see where you are now, not the journey. And so because of that, a lot of people give up on the journey because they don't realize that you were them. You started with those hesitations and those fears and those concerns. I remember like I've trained so many coaches over the years and a lot of them come to me and they go, you know, how do you just sit there and you can talk to someone for five minutes and understand all their values, their priority order, and then all their mental imbalances and then shift them around. You know, I've started doing this internal community for those who have done our, um, our events. I'm doing the hot seat and we get someone for half an hour and, you know, I work with them live while everyone else is watching. And the comments afterwards is like, how the hell did you do that? How do you do that in half an hour? You know how I did it? By being really, really shit for a long period of time, making a lot of mistakes, beating the crap out of myself, figuring out how the hell do I do this? And then deciding, is this really what I want to do or is it not what I want to do? And because I love it so much, even those days where I think, you know what, you know, I just don't, don't want to do this anymore. And I think everyone goes through that. I wake up the next day and I'm like, let's do it again. I can't get away from it. And that's what made me who I am. It's crazy we're having this conversation because I had a coaching session this morning with my coach. And one of the things that we're talking about right now is leadership development. So I, I'm personally in a point in my business where I'm really raising up some leaders to, I, I want to be a leader of leaders, right? So I said to him this morning, I'm like, how do I get really good at that? Like, how do I become a better leader? And he said exactly what you just said. He's like, Shan, the same 
answer I'm going to give everyone is you need to be shit at it first for you to understand how to be good at it. So I love that you've just reiterated that. That's the second time I've heard it today. So (laughs) that's a good one. Well, what I'll also say is that you probably don't even know this, but you already are a leader. And the idea of becoming a leader isn't you don't become a leader. You are a leader or you're not a leader. And leadership comes in the way that you act, in the way that you behave and in the way that you think. It's not a title. You know, in in a lot of businesses, people get labeled as leaders, but they're actually shit leaders. If you have a look at their teams, like I go into corporate businesses or I work with, you know, teams of people, sales teams, marketing teams and so on. Sometimes the leader isn't actually the one with a label as a leader. The leader is actually someone else who's doing the actions and performing as the leader in that team. And you can see this happening. I remember I was we were with Celine um, for one of the MJB seminars events and we're on, on a cruise ship and we played this game with Dave Logan. And we had a team full of people and I can't remember exactly how the game went, but the first game, everyone was all scattered. And then myself and Celine just looked at each other and she's like, what do you want to do? And we sat down, just me and her got together. We just went at it, bounced some ideas. And I said, right, you do this, you do this. And Celine said, yep, okay, you do, you lead this part and then I'll take the rest. And naturally, both of us just stepped into that position because if there's chaos around me that's happening, I like to figure out how to solve the problem and get it done. I don't like to mess around. I don't really care if I hurt your feelings or, you know, you're upset because we're all trying to achieve something is we've got a job to do. Let's just get that job done. Let's work together. And someone has to organize the chaos. Great leaders organize chaos. Bad leaders look at the chaos. They stress about the chaos. Then they worry about everybody else's else's import and if everything's going to be okay, that's called a council. Now, for anyone who's ever done a house or tried to build a house, you know how long councils take to do things? Because when you try to please everybody and you're trying to make everybody happy, no one makes a decision. Great leaders make decisions and sometimes the decision doesn't work for some people, but it's for the better of the outcome of what you're trying to achieve. And real leaders have to make hard decisions. I mean, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to... You know, we've got the US elections going on at the moment. I couldn't imagine what it's like to wake up in the morning, no matter what side you're on, and have tens of millions of people tweet me telling me what a piece of shit I am and millions of people tell me how awesome I am. How do you deal with that? You know, there are just, most people freak out when they get one hate message. Imagine getting millions of hate messages every day and seeing your face on the paper saying how crap you are and how, but real leaders have to make tough decisions. And you, there's always going to be someone who gets upset in those in that decision-making process the majority of the time, not all the time, but that's, that's real leadership, okay? So I don't think what I would say is that you're both already leaders or else you wouldn't have a team of people that you lead, okay? You've earned that right with the team. So maybe just reframe that. I feel you. I get it. <laughs> so we've spoken about some really cool stuff. We've spoken about what you feel is what drives people to quit. And we spoke about how some people just aren't really clear with their values. Some people aren't taking responsibility or being accountable. I'd love to know, like now that we're talking about leadership and I mean, I know a lot of people will be listening to this right now who are probably in like a mid-level leadership position, whether they're in a business or in network marketing or wherever it might be. And it gets tough, right? Like the bigger your organization grows or, you know, the more influence you have, it gets harder and harder because you deal with more problems, right? But I'd love to know from you, what type of advice would you give someone who's possibly at a point in their business where it's pretty tough? I mean, we've pretty we've had a pretty interesting year. It's tough and it would be easy to give up. 
what would your biggest piece of advice be for them to just keep going and, and to find that stamina to not give up? I don't know that I could get it down to one piece of advice, but I'll have a crack at it. First of all, go back and try and establish why you're doing what you do. Now, I believe because the majority of our society are really unclear and they've spent their whole life trying to please so many other people in their life, whether it be their parents from a young age where, you know, you try to be good at school or, you know, you try to get good grades or you go into a career that mum or dad or someone told you to get into, whether it be your teachers that have told you that you're not going to get anywhere in life and that you're fighting against that, whether it be the people on Facebook or Instagram or whatever who are judging you and criticizing you or people who are telling you how you should act and how you should behave. It really clouds who we are and why we do what we do. What I notice is that those who tend to give up, they normally give up the thing that's not really that inspiring to them. But when you really find out why you're doing it, why you're doing what you do and how it's really helping you to be the greater version of yourself, it makes life so much easier to take on those challenges. But at the same time, there are common laws that you have to follow. In life, I've never ever seen that this law has been broken, which is that we solve one problem and we create a greater problem. So therefore, if your delusion in life is that I'm going to solve this problem and life's going to be easier, well, first of all, you're tripping. That's probably the easiest way, okay? It's, it doesn't happen. But what I also know is that I'll use an analogy for weight training. When I go to the gym, my goal is to get stronger, which means I need to lift heavier weights and those heavier weights create more pain and more stress and my muscles get sore because I'm lifting those heavier weights, but at the same time, I know I'm getting stronger. If we take that same approach in life, the goal isn't to have an easier life, it's to lift heavier weight, which means bigger problems. So we don't wanna get rid of problems, we wanna take on greater problems. I don't want a, a $5,000 problem, I want a half a million dollar problem. That's the problem that I wanna tackle, or a $1 million problem, or a $10 million problem. And you know, just a great little analogy of that, um, being around business, because I, I hope that this will help and just break me if, I, if I'm talking too much or I'm rambling. But I remember as our business was growing, my wife, Jess, um, we were driving along in the car and she was complaining about some of the financial challenges and saying, you know, this is bullshit because, you know, some of the staff were underperforming at the time and blah, blah, and we're paying out all this money and these bills are coming in and blah, blah, blah. Now, when I look back, the problems that we were having financially were a lot bigger than what we were tackling five years before that. You know, five years before that, I couldn't even afford to pay my mobile phone bill. Yet now we're worried about paying cool amounts of staff wages, which are, are, were quite significant. And then one of my clients, the client that I spoke about before, who is almost a billion dollars of developments, he rang up and we're just having a chat and it was over the car, you know, the, the mic in the car. So she was listening in. Anyway, he said to me, you know, I've got this big deal going on at the moment, but it's a pain in the ass. And he said, you know, we're supposed to, we had this option on this property. And now the options run over and it's we've lost too much money to sell it. So we're going to have to go through with it. But at the same time, we're still waiting for council approval. And it's costing us $27,000 a week in holding costs. Okay, so that's $27,000 a week that they're putting out without a return. Can you imagine what that's like waiting for someone else and spending $27,000 a week on something that's already overdue? And just knowing that that you might lose money on that 27 grand a week. Anyway, after that, and, and I asked him, like, how are you coping with it? And he goes, man, it's just part of the, the business. Like, it's, it is what it is. You win some, you lose some, but it's just, you know, it is what it is. And he said, we've just got to find a way. We've just got to keep putting the foot on the council and pushing them. So um, I get off the phone and Jess looks at me and she goes, our financial problems aren't that big a deal, are they? And I said, no, not really. So even though our problems always seem like they're massive at the time, our problems are always relative. They're relative to the level that we're playing at. And if we just see it like that and we use that gym analogy of 
if we want to grow bigger, then we've got to take on bigger problems. And those bigger problems still feel just as shit as what they did when we were having small problems. It's just now you look back at those small problems and you go, that's nothing, but they still feel the same. The feelings never change. Okay. It's just, we outgrow them. And so what I would say to a lot of high performers and high achievers and a lot of leaders is if you haven't done this task, I would recommend write down every achievement that you've ever made and at least write down a minimum, any achievement that you've made, write down a minimum of a hundred to a thousand achievements until you wire your brain on a daily basis to see the things that you achieve. When you do that, you revolutionize the way that you operate as a person and you'll, you'll change the way that your brain operates because you'll realize that every day you're making small little achievements consistently. Whereas for a lot of people, they're always waiting for the big achievement, but the big achievement never comes because there's always more problems and the achievements never, they never really feel as good as what you think they're going to feel. So when you go back and you look at it, you know, just going, I could eat that chocolate bar, but I didn't write that down. That's an achievement. That's something massive for you in that moment. And you do that 10 to 15 times a day. You'll always feel like a winner, no matter how big the problem or how small. So, you know, I think the first thing is just focus on your why. Look back at your achievements. Realize that problems never go away. Also, if we have a look at another law in life or in the universe, there's another law called the law of supply and demand. Most people want to make more money, but they don't want to create greater demand money is a supply and the majority of things that we want in our life is a supply but in order to get that supply you've got to create a greater demand now when you create demand the the purpose of demand is that it creates pressure pressure creates change in nature and expansion and stress creates growth so without pressure and stress and without that demand you don't get more supply so you'll never make more money you'll never get fitter you'll never get healthier so when you realize that the goal of the game if you want to create more cool shit in your life and you want to have better results and live a bigger lifestyle, you better start creating greater demand on yourself. You've got to demand more of your time, your energy, your networks, your friendship circles, your money. You've got to put all that shit to work. And a lot of people say to me, but Michael, my friends are my friends. Yeah, my friends are my friends too, but they still come to my events because I believe in what I do so much. If I'm not telling them about it and trying to help them to evolve as people, I don't really believe in what I do. So therefore, my friendship circle is part of my growth in all areas of life, from my health to my business to everything. And you know, my friends sometimes sell my events better than I sell my events, okay? Because I love what I do so much and they believe in me just like I believe in them. So you've got to demand all those things in your life. Look at the whole of your life and ask yourself, am I demanding enough of that area of my life? Because that will create an expansion. It will create growth. But the only way to create those two things is pressure and stress. The more you try to avoid pressure, the more you try to avoid stress, the less expansion and the less growth you're going to have in any area of life. So you don't want an easy life. You want a life that's fulfilling and, and take on challenges that are worthwhile that push you to grow. There's two such powerful reframes in that. And I, I love that so much because I know there's so, there'd be so many people listening to this who will relate at some level. Like, And I think the whole reframe of like you solve a problem and you just create a bigger one. Like that's just not in business, that's in life. It's like talking about that pursuit of happiness. You think you get something, you get happier, and then you need something else to do it. So just think if there's people listening to this podcast right now, guys, and you like you fixed a problem and you think life's gonna be amazing, or if you're feeling stressed, I love that those feelings aren't gonna change. I love those reframes of being like, Well, you know what? Yes, you fixed a problem, but guess what? There's gonna be a bigger one tomorrow. And yes, you're feeling stressed right now, but that's awesome because that stress is gonna give you the demand on yourself that you need to increase the supply. So if you guys are tuning in and feeling some of those emotions, I love how you can shift that just with those two powerful reframes. Yeah. yeah. 
Amazing. And we'll have all of this in the downloadable that you can download. It's in the show notes so you can check that out. I think we have so much gold in this episode. We could keep talking for hours. <laughs> I'm more than happy to. Like that's that's one thing that ever since I was a little kid, my uncle used to call me Yap Yap because he said I was like a little barking dog that never shut up. Oh, well, you're definitely doing your life's work, Michael. I just want to thank you so much for your time and just your wisdom. It's been awesome catching up again and, and hearing a little bit from you today. It's great. How can our listeners find you? Facebook is the Mojo Master Coach. If you're listening to this and you're enjoying the interview or you've got any gold from there, please just shoot me a message on our Facebook page and just say hi. You know, I love connecting with people who hear what I talk about and anyone who I inspire. I actually have a little book that I add it to um, just because I like to know the impact that I'm having out there. So please feel free to just shoot me a message and say hi. So that's the Mojo Master Coach on Facebook, Mojo underscore Master on Instagram. Uh, You can look up what we do or our events or whatever on www.themojomaster.com.au. So that's with a T-H-E at the front. So themojomaster.com.au. And yeah, I'm sure if you just hop on, you can Google. Yeah, I'll come up somewhere. You're amazing. We love the work that you do. We just want to say we're so grateful for you and just keep doing what you're doing. You're amazing. Thank you very much and keep doing what you're doing as well. I think, you know, we're all out there trying to inspire people to live better lives and it's super important, especially in this day and age where uh, I don't think that in Australia there's a lack of opportunity. I think, unfortunately, there's too much opportunity, which then means not enough focus. And I think, uh, you know, part of our job is to keep people really focusing on track and pushing towards something inspiring instead of dispersing your energy in all different places so you know thank you for doing that as well and holding people accountable and you know helping people live a greater life let's go create some more pressure and stress let's do this (laughs) hey guys was here what an amazing episode i hope you're feeling inspired after that conversation and it's empowered you to make some amazing changes and choices in your life Don't forget to let us know if you loved this episode by giving us a five-star review. It really helps us know we're on track and serving you guys and also majorly supports our channel. And you may even be in the running to be the shout out of the week. Every week on our Instagram, we share one of our reviews with our network. So be sure to leave your Instagram handle or website in your review so we can share it with our amazing community. I have been so excited to share with you guys my book, Life Above Zero. It's a book based in psychology and science, specifically written for women who feel empowered yet unfulfilled and are seeking help to find their clarity and happiness. Women just like you who want to be empowered with the tools to master their mindset, to overcome self-sabotage and create a life, business or career they love in alignment with their values and inner truth. I wanted to save you tens of thousands of dollars, years of your time, energy and heartbreak studying psychology, getting a degree, attending personal development weekends and seminars, and hours scrolling online looking for the right person to help. So here it is. I have condensed everything I've learned personally and professionally from working with people, their psychology and their mindset over the last decade, and have put it into a beautiful book you can enjoy and make your way through at your own pace. I share personal stories throughout so you can find comfort in knowing you're not broken, crazy or alone in what you're going through. I cry and laugh with you and you know you can always rely on me for that tough Aussie love in there too. If you're not a big reader and would rather have me read it to you on your morning walk or the daily commute to work or whilst you're sipping on that wine making dinner, then don't worry, you can also get my book on Audible. If you click on the link in the show notes, you'll be able to grab yourself a coffee 
And if you head over to my website, www.lifeabovezero.com.au and sign up to my newsletter, you can even have the first chapter sent to you for free while you wait for your copy to arrive in the mail. Make sure you tag me in yours when it arrives. I love seeing it in your hands and hearing what you guys are taking from it. Don't forget to head over to the show notes for you to check out any links, books, or references we mentioned in this episode and our cheat sheets. Before we go, we just wanted to say a big thank you for being here, for committing to being the best version of you, and for showing up for you today. You are freaking amazing. Now, if you think there is someone in your life that could really benefit from this episode, while you're feeling super inspired, please hit the share button and send them this episode. Share it with them right now. The reason we're asking you to share the love is because you get what you give. And the more you give and inspire, the more you get in return. Head over to www.babestalkingbusiness.com to check out all our other podcasts. Sending you guys so much love and we'll see you soon.